Hey, what's up, guys? Happy Friday. Bevel, as you see here, I'm sharing the Zone's uh, live stream of the Canelo Bevel weigh-in. Um, joining you guys a couple minutes late. Apologies for that. Been running around like crazy here. But uh, phone lines are open if you want to get on and uh, chat. And we could talk about this thing. We could talk about all sorts of stuff coming up. Uh, it is a week away from my next fight. I'm fighting here in Atlanta next Friday, May 13th. So I'm in final preparations for camp. My uh, final sparring session will be tomorrow, tomorrow morning. Uh, other than that, I'm just keeping it to one workout a day, nice and light and, uh, you know, eating good. So that's all, man. That's that's it. I'm feeling pretty good. Uh, had some anxiety, some nerves at the beginning of this week. Uh, end of last week, you know, I felt like uh, I just need to fine tune a couple things. I wasn't quite 100% ready. But after this week, I had a really good week in training. Um, and I really just kind of tweaked, worked on a couple things really over last weekend into this week. And I feel a lot, lot better. So um, feeling good, feeling confident. And uh, we ready to go for next week. Let's see. I got the sound here from this way in just in my uh, headphones, just barely just listening to it, but I won't turn it on uh, for you guys. But uh, of course this way in already happened uh, like 20, 30 minutes ago. So uh, they put it on pretty early. Cause I mean, for Vegas time, this is, this is real early, but um, I wanted to go ahead and just show it to you guys so that the way in bros could get their fill. You know what I'm saying? What do you guys think about those odds? It says uh, betting line Canelo is plus, or I'm sorry, minus 500, and Bevel is minus 333. I'm curious uh, what you guys think about those uh, those odds. Uh, but I want to talk about something that's been on Twitter a lot. Uh, I've noticed in the recent days. Uh, apparently, and it's funny that this kind of comes out this week, you know, but apparently the, this big deal that the zone, or I'm sorry, PBC offered to Canelo, I think it was like a, reported as $100 million, which again, these numbers are usually nonsense. But um, apparently it included a fight with, possibly a fight with Errol Spence, but it was supposed to start with a fight against Jamal Charlo. And then after that, I think um, Canelo would have the option between David Benavidez or Errol Spence. I believe that was it. And I think the Errol Spence fight would be at some kind of catch weight or something. I don't know. But obviously the fights against uh, Charlo and Benavidez would be at 168. So there is a segment of the boxing fan universe that is just, it just they can't help themselves, right? Especially the PBC Heyman stands that are out there. And um, they are going hardcore uh, against Canelo this week, saying that, you know, he took a soft touch going up against uh, Bevel here, Dimitri Bevel. And then Gennady Golovkin later this year, should he beat Dimitri Bevel, that is the signed fights, right? That's what's going to happen. And of course, those will be on zone pay-per-view. So that really, really, really upset some fans. Here's what I would say to those fans. I understand if you're a diehard fan of Jamal Charlo. I understand. You're one of the dozen or so out there. Ha, I kid. It, seriously, if, if you're a really, really super-duper fan of Jamal Charlo, or Demetrius Andre, I get it. But here's the thing. What I don't understand with you guys, you want your guys to get a big payday. You want them to get the Canelo fight. You want them to get the Golovkin fight. I understand, right? I get it. Here's what I don't understand. 
Why aren't any of you calling for a fight between Jamal Charlo and Demetrius Andrade? Why aren't you calling for that fight? Because here's the actual reality, the scenario right now, okay? As I just stated a minute ago, the fights are already signed. Canelo's fighting Bevel tomorrow night. Should he be successful, he's going to fight Gennady Golovkin for a third time for his undisputed super middleweight championship later this year in September, right? You're going to get the rubber match between Canelo Golovkin. That's signed. That's done. The best thing you could hope for, by the way, I quick break. Look at the crowd for this weigh-in. Canelo really, truly is the superstar of this sport. I mean, is it? Is it? Can you deny this any further? This is a weigh-in for uh, Canelo Bevel, you know, in the hot Las Vegas heat, and it's packed. And Dimitri Bevel isn't necessarily a, a huge name here in North America, anyway. Stick going back to my scenario, okay? Golovkin's moving up to 68 to fight Canelo. And by the way, I like Canelo by decision this weekend. So I'm going to go forward with my scenario here, assuming Canelo wins. That's not a given because Dimitri Bevel is a very live dog and the toughest opponent Canelo has faced since Golovkin. But assuming Canelo wins by decision, which I believe he will, later this year, while Golovkin and Canelo fight. And remember, that will be at 168. So Golovkin will move up and wait for that fight. The genius of it is, should Golovkin lose, which he would be favored to lose against Canelo in this third fight, he would keep his unified middleweight championship. So while that fight takes place, if Jamal Charlo and Demetrius Andrade fought and unified the other two titles, well, guess what? It would create, it'd do two things. Number one, it'd give the winner of that fight a signature win over an elite level opponent in their division, in their physical prime. And guess what? Neither one of those men has that on their resume right now. So first of all, give him that. But also a fight between Charlo and Andre, the winner, creates massive demand and really nowhere to go for Gennady Golovkin, should he lose to Canelo Alvarez? Now, if he beats Alvarez, he's the undisputed super middleweight champion in the world. That's another story. But should he lose to Canelo later this year, then obviously Golovkin will go back down and defend his unified middleweight belts. And he'd have two, and the winner between Charlo and Andre would have two. It did create unprecedented demand for a fight between Golovkin and Charlo slash Andre. I think Charlo would edge Andre. So I think it'd be a fight between Golovkin and Charlo. That is how you create demand. That is how you create necessity for that fight. And let me tell you, everybody would want it at that point because you'd already have undisputed at 168. You'd have undisputed at 154 because Charlo and the other Charlo and Castanio are going to fight next week to unify that division, right? So you'd have undisputed and hey, we might get undisputed at 147 late this year or early next year between Spence and Crawford. So you got all these divisions consolidating. We're getting, unific we're getting unification at 175, further unification, I should say, at 175 next month up in New York between Baturbiev and Smith. So with all these divisions being consolidated, why wouldn't you do that? If you're, if you're a fan of Charlo, if you're a fan of Andre, if you're a fan of PBC, that's the fight you should be calling for. And guess what? Demetrius, Demetrius Andrade's next fight against Parker, that's his last fight against Matchroom. 
or I'm sorry, with Matrim. That's his last fight under his contract with Eddie Hearn and Matrim Boxing. So if you are a hater of Eddie Hearn, a hater of Matrim, a hater of the zone, well, your boy Andre has one fight left. And then he's out of that contract because I don't think he's going to resign with them. He'll be a free agent. It'll be just like the Terrence Crawford situation at 147. So all you Al Heyman stands, your PBC stands, your Charlo Andre stands, that's what you should be calling for. That's the best thing for your boys. That's the best thing for them. There'd be a career-high payday if Charlo and Andre were to fight on PBC on Fox pay-per-view later this year. They'd do 100 and some odd thousand pay-per-view buys, but that would be enough to get each of them a seven-figure payday, a career-high payday. Winner of that fight has an elite-level win at 160. I ain't talking 154. We're talking 160, okay? 154, forget about that what they did before. We're talking about what they've done at 160. They have an elite win at 160 and two of the four belts. So if Golovkin comes up short against Canelo this fall, which most feel he would, well, then guess what? You got a super fight next year between Golovkin and Charlo or Andre. I think it'd be Charlo for the undisputed 160 pound championship. That is a win-win scenario for all the people you are cheering for and a lose-lose scenario for all the people you're cheering against. So why aren't any of you out there calling for that? It baffles me. It absolutely baffles me. Now, sticking with my scenario, okay, let's say, and again, I'm reaching here, okay? This isn't necessarily how I think it would all play out, but assuming we keep going with my scenario, all right? It's next spring. It's next May. It's Cinco de Mayo next year. Cinco de Mayo 2023. Canelo is fighting John Ryder over in England to build his brand over there, right? But what's on the horizon for him at this point? Let's just say Charlo upsets Golovkin and beats him and becomes the undisputed middleweight champion of the world. Let's just say. Canelo beats Ryder, obviously, over in England, builds his brand over there. It's going to be a massive event. There's probably going to be 70,000, 80,000 people in the stadium to see that fight. It's going to be one of the biggest events of the year next year. Canelo Ryder. I know. Sounds crazy, right? But guess what? Eddie Hearn does events, bigger events, better than anybody else in the sport right now. He knows what he's doing. So let's say Charlo is the undisputed middleweight champion at this point. And Canelo's fulfilled as one mandatory, and he's the undisputed super middleweight champion. Guess where I'm going, folks? The biggest fight in boxing at that point, south of heavyweight, is an undisputed 160 to 168 fight between Charlo and Canelo. It's win-win. Winner of that fight can holler at the Baturbiev Smith winner that we're going to get next month. But if you're Canelo, if you're a Canelo stan and you're a big, big Canelo fan, at that point, Canelo would be able to choose between moving up to 175 and fighting the winner between Baturbiev and Smith for the undisputed 175 crown, or he can move down to 160 and fight Charlo for the undisputed middleweight championship or ask Charlo to move up to 168 and fight him there. Canelo would have massive options. So if this scenario plays out the way I'm saying, Boxing fans win. But for some reason, I'm just going to say it one more time for the people in the back who didn't hear me. No one is asking 
about a fight between Charlo and Andre. I don't understand. It's almost as if, I don't know, maybe, maybe I'm kind of losing my mind here, but it's almost as if the fans of those fighters and the promotional outfits that they represent, particularly Charlo, because Andre right now is with Hearn for one more fight. That is probably going PBC, right? It's almost as if the fans of those fighters want to see them keep their O and get a mega fight and a mega payday without necessarily earning it. That just seems to be, I don't know. That's just what I'm seeing. You guys let me know. All right. Uh, Papa Chubby with the super chat. Thank you so much, Chad. He says, uh, let me be the first fan to complain about Canelo versus Ryder. Hey, you're not the first. You certainly won't be the last. Uh, my only hope is that that's not a pay-per-view over there in the UK. I don't think it will be. I actually think that's going to be a huge introduction uh, for Canelo to the to the British fans, him fighting on UK soil. I think it's a smart play by Eddie Hearn and Team Canelo to further build his brand over there. And yes, it's obviously a soft touch. But if Canelo beats Bevel, the second best light heavyweight in the world right now, no, no less than the third best light heavyweight in the world right now. And then he beats Golovkin, the best middleweight in the world and one of the biggest brands in the sport south of heavyweight. Uh, and, and, you know, actually decisively beats Golovkin. No controversy this time. That's a pretty good 2022 for Canelo. And he will have earned a soft touch against Ryder, who I do believe is a mandatory anyway. So, all right, I'm cool with it. All right, let's jump to the phones here. We'll take a couple calls real quick, guys. Let's go to uh, 631 you on the show. What's going on? Hey, Mike. It's Keith Azenstead at K-Boxing Global. How are you doing? What's up, man? How you doing, Keith? Good, good, good. Yeah, I saw that tweet, too, as well, in regards to PBC. Um, people also, like, they fail to mention, too, that if uh, Spence were to take the Canelo fight, he's pretty much Dustin Crawford, kind of like yes. what Mikey Garcia did with Lomachenko when he fought Spence as well, too, maybe went for the big money fight instead of facing the other guy in your division as well. It's absolutely true. I mean, I don't know, no, yeah, yeah, it's absolutely true, man. If if um, if Canelo sparked Spence, or even if it was just a 12-0 shutout, Spence loses his O, right? And then it takes the luster off of his fight, a super fight between him and Bud with the casual fans who want to see two undefeated <laughs> guys fight. So I'm completely with you. Uh, Canelo can't win. Even if Canelo took that deal, they'd still be bitching that he's fighting a welterweight. Yeah, and I just don't see any way that Spence wins in that fight. He'd probably get his face broken, to be honest with you. Yeah. Um, just because his style isn't correct for Canelli. He's just flat-footed. It'll be a very entertaining fight when it will last, but it'll, it'll pretty much defeat him. Um, and I, I, I think you, you mentioned this before. All these promoters, they do something good. They all have their pros and cons. They get him has the biggest events now. Um, Tom Brake is great at matching its opponents, at matching its champions, and building great champions. I think you mentioned at one point, too, like top rank versus PBC record is like very, very favorable for top rank. It was like 17 and something versus like nine. Yeah, like it's like, it's not even close. Yeah, top ranks head-to-head record against PBC. I want to say it, they win over three quarters of the fights usually. Where do you, is that just over time just tracking or is there like a specific like website or source that you've gone to? Because I, I, that's, that's actually, I think really it was, um, who, who was it? Uh, somebody on Twitter actually looked back at all the fights going back 
uh, you know, PBC has only been around for what, uh, seven years, eight years, I think technically Five, six years. Yeah. Seven something years, like yeah. that. Um, so I don't think they look that far back. They just look back because, you know, Heyman represented fighters before PBC, but I don't know if they went that far back. I think they just yeah. went back to the dawn of PBC, but it was, who the hell was it? Ah, <laughs> uh, you know, Rick, Gla- Rick Glazer. That's who it was. Rick Glazer. Okay. Okay. Good uh, okay. Thank you. Um, but yeah, going back to, I mean, PBC, they, they, they do a great job of running their fights and putting on big shows per se and making them look all glamorous. But I think the culture over there is, you know, basically create, give gimmies, uh, have their big, their big stars get these, get these big paydays and not really earn it per se. And it kind of, it, it really detracts from the sport. And then, yeah, Golden Boy, I don't know what the hell they're doing, to be honest with you. I mean, they, they put on really good local shows, uh, especially out here in California as well, too. But I would say I would say probably the better promoters are top rank and, and Mexican, just because of what they do for the sport. Overall. Um, but yeah, going back to it, it's just that they when you bring up Andre Carlo, the, the PBC fans do not say anything at all. Yeah. <clears throat> it's, it's hilarious. Um, and I'll just go into my picks for the fight tomorrow. I think I favor Canelo by probably like a competitive decision. I mean, I I would love to be wrong and to be upset. I like people. Um, I just think his he doesn't have the layers in the game. Is one really one or two really good layers. He is a really good two straight in and out. Um, but I think after like the early to mid rounds, Canelo's going to start timing it, and he's going to probably start timing to the body, and then to the head, and, and breaking down and slowing down. I don't think he stops him, but I think he, even if evil makes it close, I just don't see him winning um, in Vegas, in America in general, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, just because it's Canelo's, Canelo's sport. I don't, I don't see that happening at all. So, um, uh, one other thing too is Canelo apparently told Eddie Hearn that he feels comfortable fighting uh, Usyk at uh, 201 pounds for the Hagoa Championship. I don't know about that. <laughs> I saw that and I, th- I think it's nonsense. I don't think. For one, I don't see Usyk going back down and wait at this point because he's worked so hard to bulk up. But with a fight against Canelo, perhaps he would. But assuming that Usyk could get back to, to 201 um, in a healthy way, I think he beat the brakes off Canelo. I mean, it just – if Canelo – I dude, I could honestly see Canelo doing a heavyweight fight, but he'd fight somebody like Trevor Bryan – for the WBA regular belt. It'd be something like that. Same thing at cruiserweight. I can't see him taking on an elite level heavyweight. I just don't see that. Yeah. Usyk's style is all wrong for Canelo. Yeah. Uh, just like you said, as long as if he makes a way healthy, he did say he would go down there to, to fight Canelo, but I, I don't, I, I see it unless he hires a regular nutritionist, he just packed down some muscle to four heavyweight. He basically be going back. Uh, that's a that's a difficult fight. Uh, that's a difficult weight cut, to be honest with you. But if he does do healthy, he would he would destroy Canelo. He'd probably stop him. To be, to be yeah, honest. I think he'd knock him if out. He has all his powers and everything. Speed. Absolutely. So, yeah. All right, Michael. That's my call. Thank you. Uh, thank you for the show. Thank you. For the, you know. Thank you for your time. Thanks a lot, I'll brother. Have a good weekend, man. Yeah, I completely agree with Keith on that. I think, um, and it's no disrespect to Canelo, but guys, I, the size difference is too big. Um, it's one thing for Canelo to fight guys who are at 168, 175, where they're kind of within the same weight range. I get it that they're naturally bigger guys than Canelo. Um, but there's there's a few of those guys at 168 that I don't even think are necessarily stronger than Canelo. I, I mean, I think that Canelo in a weightlifting competition is probably stronger um, and sturdier than guys like Callum Smith 
and uh, Billy Joe Saunders and those kind of guys. I just think he is. He's stocky and everything. He's not tall and thin uh, like they are, but he's he's got some natural strength to him in his legs and through his back and everything. But at 201 pounds, I mean, Usyk, it would be awkward for him because he'd be punching down at Canelo, which is something he's not used to. But Usyk is every bit the boxer Canelo is, and I'm probably even better, if we're, if we're being honest, okay? Uh, Usyk's probably a better boxer than Canelo in certain aspects. Maybe not all. Canelo has better defense, definitely better head movement and defense. But offensively and really in terms of his footwork, there's things Usyk can do as an athlete that Canelo just cannot do. And that's no disrespect. It's just the truth. So at 200 plus pounds, it, that's just asking way too much of Canelo, in my opinion. I wouldn't even want to see that fight. But for the freak show atmosphere, if Canelo ends up fighting a guy like a Trevor Bryan, at, you know, who was going to come in weighing 230 or something for the WBA interim silver gold diamond regular belt whatever the heck it is um that would be kind of fun just for the freak show and i think canelo would actually beat him i really really do <laughs> which is crazy all right back to the phones let's go over to the uk we got uh 796 on the line what's up hello uh, hello uh, is this hello. Hamed? hello hello yeah, yeah how's it going good good i thought that was you how you doing Hamed? I'm good. I'm good. Thanks. I got a couple of uh, questions for you. Uh, first one: I'm about to fight tomorrow. Yeah, people lose it. Oh, you just Canelo loses to people. Okay. What's that? So you put yeah, it for a second. If Canelo, lo- if Canelo loses right, to yeah. people, all right. Yeah. Uh, do you think the Golovkin fight will still happen next, or you think it depends on Canelo? Would it? I, I think that, yeah, look, if if, if Bevel beats Canelo, I don't see Golovkin and Canelo fighting a third time. Um, it's possible because you have to remember this is at 175 pounds, so Canelo would still be the undisputed super middleweight champion, but uh, it would take some luster off of that fight. However, um, I don't know, maybe it would still happen, Ahmed, because Canelo would still be a big brand, and him coming off a loss might um, – change the, the betting odds between him and Golovkin, it could still happen. So I don't know. Yeah, all right, all right. that's interesting. Uh, I think the video, I think, is from the Gruden Truth. Uh, I think it's on YouTube. They, uh, it's Mike Goodpast. I think he made a good point. Is there a chance that people could win a decision? Because I think, I don't think many people are picking him to knock Canelo out. Uh, I'm not sure what you think about that, but I think... Uh, if anyone will get to stop it, I think it's Canelo. I I agree with you, and I agree with that sentiment. I think, not to get overly political, but there's two aspects to this, okay? Uh, the first is that, you know, it's hard to be Canelo in Nevada. We have several examples of that that we can point to. The second is Dmitry Bivol is Russian, and you have to wonder with the political climate right now, and I'm not going to – you know, I, I don't believe in conspiracy theories or anything, but you just have to wonder, can a Russian fighter, period, get a decision right now in a close fight? They tend to come up short in close decisions anyway. You know, if we, there's plenty of fights I could point to in recent years, but especially now. So I think that's what a lot of people are thinking coming into this fight. 
Yeah, yeah. No, I agree. I agree. I think uh, if anyone knocks Canelo out, uh, it's probably most likely Batubia, but mm. I'm not sure if that fight will happen. Uh, what's it called this year? I don't think it will. Have. No. Maybe, I, I'm not even sure about next May. I know they're talking about it, but I'm not sure about Canelo and Nusik. Uh, to me, if that fight happens, uh, I think there will be some sort of catering or rehydration clause. And at that point, uh, I don't know, is that really legitimately a fair fight? Because uh, I know people uh, were saying Nusik is not a big heavyweight, but I I thought he was a really big cruiserweight. Maybe not the biggest heavyweight around, but if you watch Thomas Adamek's fight with uh, Vitaly Klitschko and you compare Usyk and AJ, I think the size difference between those two fights is big. Uh, Adamek was uh, blown up like heavyweight. With Usyk, I think he's a small heavyweight, but to me, he looked like a really, really big cruiserweight. So, Fighting him at 201 pounds, I don't know. Can he still make that weight limit healthy uh, at a healthy rate? I'm not sure. Like, if he's at 201 pounds, that's essentially a cruiserweight. Yeah, I completely agree with you. It's reminiscent of when Roy Jones gained a bunch of muscle to go up to 200 pounds and fight uh, John Ruiz. And then he came back down and immediately, I want to say he had back-to-back knockout losses to uh, Tarver and Johnson. Losing fats one no, thing. He beat... oh, sorry, go ahead. He beat sorry, he beat he beat Tava, but he didn't look good. I think it was a majority decision. Oh, the first and then time. he got knocked out. So. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah, yeah. He yeah. should have walked away Greece. And you have to think, you know, in, in Roy Jones Prime, he probably beats Tarver pretty handedly, right? But he struggled with him, then got knocked out, then got knocked out against Johnson. Um, so losing muscle, especially when you're an older athlete, um, and I you know, I think Usyk's in his thirties, I that's just not a good thing. And it's not something I'd really be interested in seeing. Yeah, I agree. I, agree. I wanted to do, talk to you about something else. Uh, regarding the whole linear thing, I've debated about this with other people. Now, I'm not, what's the word, too against uh, if people don't think Fury was the lineal champion after the three-year whatever break, if you want to call it, or when he didn't fight to ban to whatever, however you want to put it. But regarding that, I just wanted to know your thoughts on a couple of things. Uh, first of all, do you think um, if people, like, just because if people consider someone the lineal champion, do you think, do you think some people are reading too much into it? Because when Adonis Stevenson beat Dawson, I thought he was still the lineal champion. I know he got stripped of the ring belt, but... That doesn't mean the guy was, uh, what's the word? He was still, you know, head and shoulders above the rest because I remember Kovalev was fighting the better opposition. So, I don't know. I think some people read too much into it. Like me, I think he was still, Fury was the lineal champion. I think you could argue against it, but it depends what you do with the lineal uh, championship. Like, if you're just going to become the lineal champion and sit on it, then I don't know. Does that have much yeah it's one of those it's one of those mythical things that my my issue with the lineal debate hamed is that people kind of change the rules depending on who the fighter is they move the goalpost there's a million different cliche phrases i could use but uh, as i as i stated in my video if you look at the uh, situation with jeffries and johnson going way back to the early 1900s the lineage was messed up already then 
so for some people, it's literally just the man who beat the man. Well, we've had several fighters retire as the man, and nobody ever beat them. So going by but that, but it doesn't work like that. Well, but it works like that to it, some sorry, people. I, some people consider so, it uh, that, that's how that, it works. That's the rule. Yeah, but some that's people have different rule. rules. Rule. It's kind of like pound for pound list. I mean, some people. Wait, wait, wait! No, no, it's not. It's not. It's not so. I'm sorry to go you because I just want to reiterate. When Lennox retired, the lineage was broken. Now I know the Ring Magazine has changed some of its rules, but if someone retires, the lineage is broken. But it can be, there can be a new lineage set. The thing was, uh, I agree with you. When Fury, was, when Fury didn't fight for three years. There was no undisputed champion, and Adrian Wilder right, didn't fight. Right, so but to me, let me ask you this, Hamed. Muhammad Ali did not fight for several years. It was a different situation than Tyson Fury. You know where I'm going with this. But Muhammad Ali was, according to boxing historians, stripped of his lineage. And if you go to BoxRec's listing of lineal heavyweight champions and throughout all the history books, they say that Ali got stripped and it ended up being Frazier, who is the champion, Foreman, right? And then Ali got it back. But if Muhammad Ali got stripped, how are you not going to strip Tyson Fury? All right. I think I got the answer to this as well. It's about consistency. If people didn't consider Ali the Nina champion, then they can't consider Fury. That, that is a very good point. Now, I could break this down because I've debated about this uh, several, with several different people. But look, the points you make are valid. The thing is, when Ali, when he was in jail, I think Fraser became the undisputed champion. So there was, there's a difference with the current situation back in 2018. <coughs> Excuse me. Wilder and uh, AJ didn't fight back then. I think Fraser fought someone and became the champion. But some people still considered Ali the leader champion. What happened is Ali fought Fraser and got knocked out. At that time, Fraser was the man. Right now, uh, I don't think anyone's beaten Fury, so... But look, I can see the other side of the argument. Fury don't fight right now. If you don't fight for two, three years, uh, I don't know, are you really the man? The thing about this whole thing is, it's too many belts. The lineage is meant to be, you are the champion in the weight class. Like, I don't think that's the be-all and end-all, because sometimes the lineage champion could be a very bad... Uh, like yeah. the guy when Roy Jones and Calzaghi fought, he wasn't really that good of a fighter. But he wasn't doing anything with his lineage. It depends, I think, what the guy is doing. But I feel he went on to actually beat some good fighters. The, the only thing I'd say is uh, you can't really say it's mythical when there was actually a ring belt uh, designed for it. So there is yes, some, some freedom to it. Sorry to cut you off, but listen, this is something that we have discussed at Ring on the Ring Ratings Committee at, at Nauseam. We stripped... Tyson Fury, because he didn't name an opponent and he was inactive. So if you consider the Rig Magazine, let's say, the, the true champion, the number one versus number two, when let's say when Lennox Lewis retires and then the top two guys fight, you establish a new lineage, Fury becomes lineal champion when he beats Klitschko, cool, I'm with you. But we actually stripped him and we we're, we bent over backwards to work with him, right? So, so at, here, here's my thing. He beats Klitschko in 2015. Fury does not beat another top-ranked heavyweight, a highly-rated heavyweight, until he beats Wilder in the rematch in 2020. That's five years. You Wait, cannot be the you guys... man. Hold on. You cannot be the man of any division 
and not beat a top 10, shit, top 15 rated fighter for five years. It just doesn't work that way. And so, I, by the way, I That's consider true. Fury the man right now because when he fought Wilder in that rematch, Fury was rated, both of them were rated number one or two, you know, whichever one you rated number one or number two because AJ had lost to Ruiz. So that was a number one versus number two fight. Boom, he becomes lineal champion again. I just, from 2016 to 2019, I considered that lineage broken. My issue is, is all the people that are promoting Fury as lineal, 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 right? And they're saying he has eight lineal defenses. And you know, they're counting the Safari and the Pinata But I don't fight. do that. I know you don't. But the promoters do, the networks do, and all the Fury stands on Twitter do. And they're doing that because they have to. They've never done that with any other fighter. And the reason why they have to do it with Fury is because his resume is incredibly weak. He has a win over Klitschko and, and a win over Wilder. And that's it. That's it. He has that, two no, title that, that, defenses. All right, that, that's, all right, all right. That's fair enough. But see, this is where I think he gets a bit subjective because I see a lot of people say he's still not the Libyan champion. So I think you're looking at it just from one point of view. There's a lot of Fury detractors. I'm not the biggest fan, but I've seen a lot of guys saying he, he wasn't the lineal champion. He's still not the lineal champion. My point is this, though. Ring Magazine ranked him as the champion until 2018. He comes back, he has a couple of fights in 2018. All right, he gets struck to the Ring Magazine. Later that year, he draws with Wilder. A lot of people thought he won. All right, he didn't technically win, but after that fight, the Ring Magazine reinstated him as the number one so that kind of contradicts, like, uh, the whole point. Uh, like, do you get what I'm going with? Like, I, I can see both going. sides of the argument. I get the logic. Here's why we reinstated him. Because he had fought a top heavyweight, and most people on the ring ratings committee thought he won that fight. So, it, it, and some people thought Wilder should be won. Some people thought Fury should be won. But clearly, at that point, they were the top two heavyweights. I think it was a little luck with the timing because I think AJ has always been better than Wilder. I, that's just my personal opinion. And he has a much better resume. But at that time, when they fought the rematch, it was number one versus number two. And we sanctioned it for the Ring Magazine championship belt. Um, you know, so it's it's a muddy situation, but I, I actually would consider Fury the lineal champ right now. He's not the man, though. You can't be the man until you beat the AJ Usyk winner. It, that's oh, just I mean, I yeah, yeah, there's a difference. There's a difference. There's a difference. And to me, the whole, honestly, the, honestly, no, Hamed, the lineal thing, I'm just over it. I think yeah. it's it's mental no, masturbation I, and it's... I guess that, I guess that. I get that, but it's too many belts. Like, look, the lineal people read too much into it. If there was just one belt or an undisputed champion, I don't think people, like, we wouldn't be debating or talking about this. But I agree, look, if he doesn't fight the winner and the winner of that fight goes on to become the undisputed champion, at that point, it does leave a bit of a dark cloud. That's what I'm saying. Some people read too much into it. I personally don't care, but when people try diminishing to me, the linear, forget the word, is meant to be the man in the division, the man who beats the man, or if you want to say right. he, uh, the champion. I, I, we rarely get undisputed champions, so sometimes it's hard to look at that. If, if, if there's like a couple of guys with different belts, then we got to look at who the linear champion is. Well, but like I said, when Adonis Stevenson was the linear champion, he was still fighting and he got stripped, so... I, I don't look I don't read too much into the linear. But sticking with that example, sticking with that example, Hamed, 
Adana Stevenson flat out avoided Sergei Kovalev, right? And there's different ways they painted it and stuff, but the bottom line is he avoided him. And, and Adana Stevenson was the legitimate quote unquote lineal champ at 75 because of his win at one, uh, I think it was Dawson, um, who had beat Hopkins. Okay, but he's never going to be in a Hall of Fame. Sergey Kovalev might make the Hall of Fame one day. He won more belts and he was considered the man of that division briefly. Vladimir Klitschko never got the WBC heavyweight title, but he was clearly the man of the division. Uh, Lennox Lewis didn't get the WBO belt. And toward the later latter part of his career, the WBO belt started to become more important. It really was in the beginning. But everyone knew Lennox was the champ. Everyone knew Vlad was the champ. Right now, people know Fury's the top heavyweight. Do we know he's the champ, though, until he fights Usyk? AJ, I don't know. That, that's all the right, all right. Yeah, no, 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 that's fair. Forget about the I mean, look, there is some subjectivity regarding this whole thing. But when he beat Klitschko, he was the man. I know you talk about the whole drug thing. I really think you're looking at it a bit too much on one way. I do, look, I do think the rematch, all that, really deserves criticism. If you're defending him, I think you're, you're giving him way too much leniency. He ducked off the rematch. He failed whatever drug test for. Was it the Hammer fight? It most likely was on PDs for the Klitschko fight. I personally think a lot of these guys, including Klitschko, are on PDs. But, he did not honor the rematch. My thing is, when he beat him, he was the lineal champion. Agreed. But the ring magazine stripped, the ring magazine stripped him because he did fight or whatever for three years. But then Adonis Stevenson was fighting. Like, I'm trying to say all these, all these, whatever, governing belts, uh, lineage, even the ring, I do think there's a time where they've kind of bent the rules. So I, I personally think there's too many belts. I think if it was just one belt versus the ring, whatever, it'd be better. Like, it's too many belts, uh, too many organizations. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that it's very muddy right now. I think I think the, the the biggest problem, there's honestly enough room for four organizations. There is, because this sport's so global now. Uh, we kind of, one... But how could there be more than one world champion? Like, there should only be one world champion. Like, I, I understand. I, I, I understand. But, you know, it, it's it's almost like, well, I, I can compare to other sports. I'm not going to do that. And, and we're getting really deep in the weeds here. I mean, we're going to lose everybody. But um, I think the bigger issue is some of these organizations have three or four champions in each division. I think that's an even bigger issue. Um, but we know who yeah. the man is. I, I'm trying to think of an example. Um, before Canelo Alvarez beat Caleb Plant, we knew he was the best super middleweight in the world. Beating Caleb Plant was great. He got the undisputed. That's awesome. But we but know cleaning out the division. Man. He cleaned out the division. Although I, I can yeah. tell you this, none of the guys he beat at 168 are better than David Benavidez. I'd rather see Canelo beat David Benavidez, and he doesn't have a belt. But David Benavidez is better than Caleb Plant, Callum Smith. He's better but than all subjective. Them. Is that subjective? I, I mean, I agree, but I need it is to subjective. Some evidence. It proof. is subjective. Like, yeah. That's what I'm saying. So, like, no, I mean, I agree with you in principle, but Benavides should have. Uh, I mean, he, he, I spoke to him. I think he lost the belt Twice. once on the skills and once for. And yeah, he likes, once for he coke, likes the so, cocaine. Yeah, he's a fan of the cocaine. <laughs> so he yeah. got himself to blame. But yes. at the same time, look, I test wise, I agree. But technically, or going by resume, I can't. I, I gotta see some Benavides do something. He's fighting a guy in Lemieux who's way past this time. He knocked out. Benavides' resume is, is no better than Plant or Saunders. Yeah, or yeah, that's what I'm saying. I agree with you. Yeah, I agree. But what I'm going to say, cleaning out the division is 
uh, I mean, the high st- highest standard right now, what you right. can do. And I probably will not be debated this. If AJ Eduardo fought in 2018, both those guys could have had the claim to it. Because by then, a new lineage would have been I formed. I completely but at the same time, agree. Yeah, I agree. At the same time, I do understand. I I do understand why people don't consider because you can't look. You technically, I mean, technically, still was the lineage champion, but you can't take breaks. Say you're retired and then walk away for three, four years. My only thing is consistency. Like I, I thought Ali was the champion, uh, even when he got if people stripped him. But again, like some people disagree with me, that's fine. I just think you got to be consistent. That's what I thought. Technically, was the lineage champion, but Again, how much credence do we uh, buy into it? Because when Klitschko was the lineal champion, and I've seen some people say he wasn't, he was literally fighting the top or the best guys in the division and beating them one after another. Like, uh, it depends what you do when you become the lineal champion. I, I agree with you, Ahmed. But we've been going for about right. 20 minutes, brother. I got I to gotta move on, man. But all right, I, I agree tell with you your what, sentiments. You. Good stuff, man. Good stuff. All right, yeah. Have a good weekend, brother. All right, some lineal talk for you guys, because I know you love that, right? Let me get to some super chats real quick. Uh, Steve, title bomb. Thank you so much. He says, uh, if Beevil wins, it will. If Beevil wins tomorrow, it'll look bad. Russia, etc. Yeah, I, there's going to be a sentiment of the population that would not be happy about that. But uh, you know, I think boxing fans just want to see a good decision either way. So hopefully there's just no controversy tomorrow. Anthony Santiago with the super chat. Thank you so much, Ant. He says, uh, Errol versus Canelo, Canelo versus Usyk would both be almost as bad as Triple G. Brooke, gotta stop this, LOL. Bevo by split decision. That should be unanimous decision. I'm watching it in the theaters. All right, man. Uh, you, so you're on the record. Bevel split decision, number one. Well, you, you're saying Bevel unanimous decision, but it will be split decision. So you're on the record. Um, Errol Spence versus Canelo, y- you're kind of right. I mean, look, Brooke was seen as the top welterweight in the world when Triple G fought him. It was a last-minute replacement. He was supposed to fight Eubank. Eubank, Eubank ducked at the last second. Brooke stepped in for the opportunity. So Errol versus Canelo would be a little different. Errol has unified belts. He has almost cleaned out the division. He's just avoided the top guy, right? Um, so he's seen, and he'd be seen in a different light than Canelo. But also at this point, Canelo has fought at 68, 75. He'd have to move back down to 60. You know, Triple G didn't do that. I'm just so not interested in that fight. There's plenty of other guys for Errol Spence to fight uh, if he moves up to 54 and then eventually 160. Yeah, and then Canelo versus Usyk. I that's to me that's worse than when Brooke fought Triple G. Um, that's just that's just I have no interest in that fight whatsoever, and I don't think it'll ever happen. I think it's just chat <clears throat> chatter to promote a fight. Let's see, um, Soap Boxing Podcast. Thank you so much, man. I appreciate it, Coach. He says, Mike, if Canelo becomes undisputed at 175, where is he rate all time top what? So look, if Canelo beats Bevel this Saturday, then in the fall beats Golovkin in the rubber match, then moves up to once. Well, then he's got to fight John Ryder mandatory. Okay. Then he moves up to 175 and beats the Baturbiev Smith winner, who most of us think would be Baturbiev. And then let's say he beats a couple of other top contenders like a David Benavidez type 
or maybe um, let's say Charlo moves up to 68 and Canelo ends up fighting him and simultaneously defends an undisputed 168 and 175 crown for a couple years against a couple top guys like that and then retires. At that point, Canelo Alvarez is the greatest Mexican fighter of all time. I don't give a shit if he didn't fight in as good of an era as Barrera and Morales and those guys did. Just based on accomplishments alone, he's the greatest Mexican fighter of all time. Don't at me. I don't care if it pisses you off. That's the truth. There's a lot of steps that got to happen for Canelo to get there, okay? Um, as it stands, he's probably going to retire as the most um, profitable, most famous Mexican fighter of all time. If you look at the numbers he's starting to do right now, uh, certainly dollar wise, you know, um, some people might say Oscar De La Hoya, but Oscar's American. So I, I know Mexican fans want to claim him as theirs and he is Mexican, but he's American too. So it's a little different. Um, anyway, that's how I see all that playing out. All right. We got another super chat. Another one from Anthony. Thank you so much. Yeah. I appreciate it, brother. He says, thanks Mike for having the best boxing channel. As a hardcore fan, the hardest thing is finding other people to talk boxing with. Great community here. Thank you, sir. I appreciate that, man. I appreciate that. All right. Let's go. Oh, no, we got another super chat. Okay. I thought we were going back to the phones. Thank you, Sam. I appreciate it, bro. He says, any news on who uh, Hergovich can fight soon? So I don't know what's happening with Hergovich. Um, his father just died. He pulled out of the fight with uh, Zalai Zhang. And Zhang is going to fight tomorrow. I think they found a replacement opponent for him. As far as Hergovich, I don't know what happens with him and the eliminator status and all that stuff. I don't have any news on that. I apologize. Uh, but I imagine he's still in the running. I uh, know he won't lose his status. Then again, he did turn down a fight. Regardless of the reasons, he did turn down a fight. So maybe he will lose his status. I'm not sure about the IBF bylaws and how all that works out. Okay, back to the phones we go. Um, let's go to Los Angeles. Uh, 213, you're on the show. What's up? Hey, Mike. How's it going? Good, man. How are you? Okay. Uh, I have one issue with the lineal thing. I don't. I know you don't want to talk about it, but <laughs> there is a gap during the Dempsey to Bear where it splits and I don't want to get into the politics of it. I know you're going to the boxing heads figure that one out. The rest of it, you can figure it out, but that gap right there. Oh man. <laughs> yeah, oh, Dempsey, man. How many defenses did Dempsey had over like several years anyway? Like it, it, the whole thing, bro. It's just, it's honestly, I'm just going to say it. It's fucking stupid and I'm sick of it. We know who the real guys are. Look, man, Shannon Briggs was technically the lineal champion briefly, I believe. I mean, some of the guys that have been lineal champion clearly were not the best fighter in the division. It's just stupid. I'm, I'm just sick of talking about it, honestly. All right, let's go to 140 since I talked to you last time, or the last show about it. I have an interesting question. Shoho John, or gosh, I can't say his name. Uh, he's a 140 guy, Ergeshev, I think that's the name. Is he retired right now at 140? I heard some weird stories about that, that he retired this year on Instagram. I don't know if it's true or not. Huh. Uh, I haven't heard that. I haven't heard that at all. I know he hasn't fought this year. Yeah. Yeah, I, he hasn't fought this year, and 
the source where I'm getting that he's retired from isn't the most reliable source, so I don't know if it's true. So, but he has a spot and he's in the rankings and it's on Instagram that he's his Instagram account that he's retired. I don't know what to do with that. I right want to say <laughs> he said that he retired, but then he announced he was back like a week or two later, like something weird like that. Oh, what are those? Yeah. Okay. I'm pretty sure. Uh, well, it looks like the, after my call with you, they lowered Teofimo back down to four, which is somewhat reasonable. As long as he's not above Catterall, I'm not going to bitch too much. Mm. But the only thing that I can't get is, do you think Teofimo Lopez should be ranked above Gary Antoine Russell right now? Because the BA and the BC have that. I think they're doing that based upon his work at 135 being the champion at one point and beating Lomachenko. So again, it's subjective, but I can understand that. I, I mean, Russell is still, um, I, I, he's a contender now. He's a contender, still, but yeah. Uh, another thing for 140, I know Zakela and the WCPC want to have the mandatory set up, but would you rather see him go up against Ramirez in a box off for the number one spot? Who is Zapata? Because they're one and two, right? Yeah, uh, Zapata and Ramirez. Jose Ramirez. Um, I mean, that's an awesome fight, but if Zapata, I'd rather see Zapata and Taylor right now because I just think that that's a championship fight and I'd love to see it. But Zapata against Ramirez, yeah. sign me up for that shit too. Yeah. Well, just to get the number one, so they, no one will be bitching about the next number one that Josh Taylor fights because I don't know what the fans did to him, but he kind of soured on the sport a little bit. And he's being coy. Basically, he's not saying whether he's going to move up or if he's staying in the division. But like I said last time, he said he wants to fight Ulo before Zapata. I, I'm sure Aram could work it out for Zapata to get the fight, but uh, I think he's not happy with the sport as being in the sport right now. Am I right on that? He's a little frustrated. Um, I think he feels, and I'm and I'm totally speculating, but I'm basing it off things I've heard that um, he's uh, maybe not respected as much as he should be. Um, and he probably doesn't like some of the reaction that he got from his last fight, but you know, that's, that's was how it, it goes. Was it that bad? The fans that bad towards his family? I, I just didn't pay attention to all that. Well, he I got, he got beat up it. pretty bad. Look, the fans are horrible. I, I remember talking to Jamel Herring after a win. I can't remember who it was, but it was, a he, he was coming off of COVID and scored a win. Uh, it was before the Frampton okay. fight. And he, he was just getting beat up on Twitter because it wasn't a great performance. Um, but he got the W and, and his wife was like, I'm sick of this shit. You need to retire soon. And his wife was telling him that. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So I remember having a conversation with Jamel about that. Um, uh, we've had him on the show a couple of times talking about that kind of stuff. So yeah, dude, the fans are terrible sometimes on Twitter and stuff. And Taylor's been getting beat up a lot. So he's probably in a, in a pretty <laughs> frustrated place right now. Oh, damn. Yeah. All right. Well, well, I'll see what happens when he gets back. <laughs> uh, and the last one is, I don't mind Jerry's antics too much, but this retiring and waiting for fights to happen is beginning to sound like Sugar Ray Leonard and Hagler, and mm. that didn't work out well. And 
Sugar Ray Leonard had a way better excuse than Fury for retiring. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I'm having a hard time ranking him. I can't figure out if I should rank him above Bo or below Bo right now. Because mm-hmm. out of all the noise that I've heard, the comparison that's most appropriate is he's around Bo's level when it comes to ranking him anywhere. Yeah, I like that comparison. How do you feel about that? I, I might even put him – I put him – Lower than Bo right now, honestly. Hello? Yeah. <laughs> That's what I, I hate to do it, but I mean, he's Bo's just done more in the sport with the belt than he has, even though he did throw that belt into yeah, the he track. Ducked, he shamelessly team. ducked Lennox Lewis, <laughs> but if you look at, I mean, he was in the Olympics. He still fought afterwards. Yes. Yeah, no, he still fought afterwards, and he fought Holyfield, and he fought Galata, and all these other people. I'm not going to diss him because he still stuck around and fought, not just. Right, doing what Fury's doing, which is saying, I'm retiring, and what's, I'll see what the next fight is, and if I like this fight, I'll take it. What the hell is that? <laughs> I'm sorry. That's just pretty, he just Fury really set things. me off when he starts... Well, no. He, he sets me off when he says that he's undefeated and tries to compare himself to Marciano, but he's undefeated on the technicality, man. Yeah, and I hate the comparisons to Marciano. Marciano's record is not a record. He retired undefeated, but who gives a shit? A bunch of other fighters have too. Uh, to compare, yeah, I, I just I hate the Marciano comparisons. Marciano would be a super middleweight slash light heavyweight today, anyway. It, it's just ridiculous. So yeah, I hate that stuff. Beautiful. That's all I wanted to talk to you about today. Thanks right, for the brother. call. Have a good weekend, man. You too. Later on, and uh, I hope the weather is better over in the area you're at. Later on. All right, peace. Uh, interesting question here from Boxing and Bulldogs. He goes, Montero, what is up with Sinicia Estrada and Golden Boy? Any idea? Yeah, she is not happy. She is not happy right now. Um, they haven't been getting her fights. It's really come down to money. She wants more money. Now, I don't know exactly what she's been paid. I don't know how much exactly she wants. Um, but she's getting some commentary work, and she's doing well on social. She's you know jumping on a lot of different boxing shows and stuff. I I really don't I can't, I don't know which side to take on this because I don't know if Sinicia is overinflating her worth or if she really is getting screwed by Golden Boy. I just can't say. But she's not happy right now at all. Uh, that's pretty clear if you follow her on social media. All right, back to the phones real quick. Let's do. Uh, oh wait, I need to press the button. Let's go to six six one. You're on the show. What's up? Hey, Michael. Uh, Jaeger from Spokane, Washington. What's yeah, up, man? Formerly Los Angeles County. I escaped just like you did. Ah, nice. Nice. Uh, <laughs> so uh, one couple things I wanted to bring up about the uh, the upcoming fight is, uh, you know, I think what I haven't heard really is people are kind of forgetting that uh, Joe Smith freaking rocked people very late in that fight. So the kid can be hurt. And uh, I haven't heard people bring that up. So, you know, and if Canelo can hurt Bivol, it's going to be towards the end. But uh, I don't think he's exactly bulletproof. Yeah, I agree. So. He has been hurt. The question is, can Canelo hit the way Joe Smith can hit? I think Joe Smith, it's between him and Viterbia for like the strongest humans, just natural strength, brawn, 
in all of boxing. They are just freakishly strong individuals. And um, Smith is one of those guys that can probably punch through a tree if he was, you know, if he wound up hard enough. So can Canelo, I totally agree. Can Canelo punch like that? I don't know. Here's the difference though. Canelo can catch Bevo with a shot. He doesn't see coming that he can do. No, yeah, that's exactly what I'm saying. It's going to be, yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. It's going to be something they can't see. And it's going to be towards the end of the fight. However, I think, uh, you know, what I anticipate seeing is Canelo moving forward. And once Bevo gets a little comfortable, he's going to start timing on with, uh, you know, one, two. And I think uh, the first few rounds of the fight, the Canelo fans are going to be a little nervous because Bevo wants straight one, twos are pretty sharp, pretty quick. Mm-hmm. So I think he might be walking through a little bit of fire here at the beginning of the fight. Yeah, that's the way I see it. I think Beevil's definitely going to have some success early on. Here's what I, here's just where I go with it. Okay, I, I think that by the middle rounds, Canelo will start to time Beevil's jousting, and the question is, can Beevil make an adjustment once Canelo does? And that's we just we've never seen Beevil do that. He's never been forced to do it. So maybe we're going to see a, an angle or see a wrinkle in his game that we haven't seen before. Or we're going to see him kind of do that one thing and Canelo makes adjustments and pulls the fight out in the second half. Yeah, I I, I don't see people making making those jumps. I only haven't seen it. I guess that unknown. Uh, I've, you know, watching the, I just rewatched the Triple G fights and G was most successful in his first couple punches of the combination. But in the middle of a combination, when they're throwing back, I feel, especially in the second fight, Canelo is so much better at those third and fourth punches mm-hmm. in, in kind of a in a little firefight. And I think that's where people, people start getting fucked up. I completely agree. Yeah, Canelo might be the best in the game right now at that. He is able to punch during an exchange whilst keeping his head off the line uh, and, and moving with guys' shots and rolling with him. He does that better than probably anybody in the game right now. So it's that third or fourth punch, particularly if he starts downstairs and loops upstairs against a taller guy or catches a guy jumping in, jumping straight out. Um, it's that third, fourth punch that's going to get you. And that's what I see happening in the second half of this fight. Mm-hmm. Appreciate uh, your answer to those questions. Uh, one, one last observation. Um, you know, I kind of learned this from you about, punchers being able to turn their uh, hands over and really connect with the uh, first two big knuckles. And uh, I know it's in the women's fight, like nobody does that in women's boxing. Except mm-hmm. for now this weekend, I think Amanda Serrano clearly turns her hands over better than anybody I've seen in women's fighting. Is there anybody else in, in women's fighting that uh, can punch like a dude like Amanda was? Um, I, Savannah Marshall at times and Alicia Baumgartner at times. Not consistently, but at times they do turn over and they put their ass into their punches. Yeah. Uh, and they plant their feet and punch the right way. But you're right. Amanda Serrano. Here's the one thing with Amanda. She doesn't really have a plan B or C. She does one thing, but she does it very well. And because she does it so consistently, um, it's very successful in this era of women's boxing. Now, 10, 20 years from now, I think there's going to be a lot more women that can fight that way. And um, it wouldn't be as effective. But right now, Taylor has a lot of success because she can do that. I'm sorry. T- I keep calling her Taylor. Serrano has a lot of success because oh, yeah, she no, can I do know that. Man, you're, you're, you're screwing that up last week. I, I know, dude. There. I don't know what uh, was up with that. <laughs> hey, uh, that is what it is. All right. Well, appreciate your time and everything. You have a good weekend and good fight.
All right, thanks a lot, brother. You too. Yeah, that's a really good observation that um, he made about Serrano. Amanda Serrano does turn over on her punches, and she, as I would say, puts her ass into them. And that's what you have to do to punch through your target. A lot of women, the female fighters right now, punch like they're hitting mitts. If you, if you watch a lot of guys hit mitts, it's the same thing. They're not pushing. They're not following through on their punches. They're not turning over. They're just touching the mitts because it's about accuracy, speed, and you know reflexes, things like that, right? So you're not punching through a target the way you would on a heavy bag when you hit mitts. A lot of the female fighters punch that way in a fight. That's one... That's man, that's a great observation because I, I hadn't thought about it like that before, but I'm I'm keeping that one. I'm keeping that one. All right, back to the phones we go. Oh, CJ Duncan's on the line. What's up, CJ? How you doing, man? CJ, can you hear me? Uh-oh. CJ, I don't know what's up with your phone, man, but I got you. But uh you must have me on mute or something, because I don't hear you. So we're going to drop. Oh, you know what? CJ just called back in. Let me. Uh, <laughs> Somehow CJ's on here twice at the same time. That's pretty strange. Let's pick this one up. Uh, all right. CJ, can you hear me? No. CJ, you must be in a tunnel or something. Are you driving in a tunnel right now, bro? <laughs> I picked up two calls from you and uh, no sound. So call back, man. Uh, let's go to Mike Mendiola. My fellow Paisan, how you doing, brother? What's up, Big Mike? How are you? Good, man. How you doing? I'm very well. Hopefully you can hear me. I'm driving today. Um, I didn't really get to touch base the last few weeks. I, you know, busy missed the show, but um, just wanted to, to, and I know I know I'm beating a dead horse, but um, you can't say enough about Katie Taylor and Amanda Serrano yeah. last week um, or a couple of weeks, whenever it was. I, I, I was completely in awe. And I hope that if they do fight that rematch, I hope they up both those girls' purses because they deserve every last dollar that they earned that night. I completely agree with you. And I, my only concern, my only concern is that if they go back to it and do a rematch, that uh, they, they do it on pay-per-view. I hope that doesn't happen. I know it's going to be pay-per-view in the UK, but it better not be pay-per-view here in the States. That's my only thing. Build off that momentum and put it right back on regular zone, like in November, December. I agree with you. Double their pay, especially if it's over in Ireland, because they could probably fill up 50,000, 60,000 people in a stadium over there for that rematch. That's enough to pay the girls what they're worth and put it on regular zone here in the States. Yeah, great point. Now, I'll just be very brief on my breakdown for this weekend. Um, I've never considered Vivo a big light heavyweight, even though he's got the height and he's got the frame. To me, he's always looked like a light heavyweight that can even fight at 168 if you really try. He can. He never really, I don't think, had an issue making weight. Mm -hmm. I, I just, I, he's not he's not a better BF to me, or, or better BF, however you say it. He's nowhere near that, that durability and strength as far as I'm concerned. And um, so... With, with that being said, I do think that he can get broken down later in the fight if Canelo catches up to him. But if Bebo's able to just maintain, maybe not punch himself out the first half of the fight, or maybe not just throw everything the first half of the fight and save a little bit of something for round seven through 12, I think he can actually win the fight. Will he get a decision? Probably not. But I think he, he can do enough to, to, in public opinion, um, a lot of people on Monday morning saying, hey, Evo won that fight just like Triple G won that first mm. fight and 
Canelo once again was gifted a decision. That that's my take on it. Yeah, I absolutely agree with you. I I can see that. I think Vivals again is a live dog. I think he will have to make an adjustment and do something different in the second half of the fight. But if he could do that, and let's say Canelo wins controversially this weekend, uh, even though Bevo will technically take mm-hmm. a loss, it will build his brand. He'll be a much more popular fighter after that, so it'll be good for him. Agreed. And I, I, the one thing that I, I guess, I don't know if he's getting Bevo at the right time. I, I had to go back and refresh myself with Bevo's resume. I, I saw most of his early fights. And then when I looked at his resume on BoxRec, I couldn't believe that he still only has 19 fights. He hasn't even hit that 25 mark yet. To me, it's kind of a, he lost a couple of years there. And I don't want to say it was because of the pandemic, but I know you know as well as I do. I think he might have had some promotional issues or something mm-hmm. was keeping him on the shelf or, or something. But either way, I think a guy w- with his ability should have a lot more than 19 fights at this stage in his career. And I think if he would have had more than, more than this amount of fights and maybe a couple more signature wins, that might not be the route, the route that Canelo and team would be taking right now. That's a really good point. So they, they do have a they do have a they have a very skilled fighter in front of them, but like you said, Bevo doesn't really have the experience. You, you can only get so much experience with 19 fights. Uh, you just you know, not, it's a numbers game at that point. So, yeah, that's a that's a really good point. I mean, I think Bevo has better opponents on his resume versus guys like Caleb Plant, Billy Joe Saunders, Callum Smith. But he has about the same number of fights, and you're right. There is something to say about the level of experience. And Bevel hasn't been in against a top-level opponent since, I think, the 2019. The last few years, he's been in there with, like, second-tier opposition. Um, so I think those are going to be factors. But, dude, Canelo and his team would not have signed on this fight if they didn't see something and they didn't feel very confident coming in that they were going to win. Very, very well said. It's, it's very much, you know, my history in this sport and what I do on the side is very much more of a business than people will ever know. Yes. It is a sport, but it's a business first. And everything that happens behind the scenes, it's almost, uh, it's, I mean, it's not pre-written, but it's, it's very um, almost predictable if you've been anywhere around boxing like you have been. I know you've been behind the scenes and spoken to people behind the scenes, and there's probably some things you know that you don't want to repeat. I do as well, but it very much is a business first. And um, mm-hmm. with that being said, I just hope we still get a good fight. I'm not really crazy about the undercard, so I'm, I'm hoping um, the fight itself, the main event, is, is worth it. Absolutely, man. 100%. Thank you for taking the call, Mike. Have a great rest of the weekend or, or, or weekend, and hope to see you soon, man, when you ever make it back out here to Cali. Absolutely, man. Um, I hope you and your, your wonderful, beautiful family have a great weekend, brother. Thank you, brother. You as well, man. All right. Ciao. Take care. Bye-bye. There he goes. <clears throat> Super chat from Sam. Thank you so much, Sam. He says, do you like the prelims? I assume you're talking about tomorrow night. Well, let's take a look. Um, I don't like the matchups, per se. They're showcase type of matchups, but I do like some of the talent that is on the undercard. Montana Love, wonderful 140-pound prospect. Uh, huge upside. Anytime he's in the ring, I'm going to watch. Shakram Giasov, another really, really high-level prospect in the welterweight division. I want to see him fight as well. We have Jose Lito Velasquez. I want to see him. I'm a little disappointed that the heavyweight fight fell through, but totally understand what uh, Hergovich is going through. Uh, empathize with him fully. 
But um, so that's a little bit of a buzzkill. But Alex Espino is another young guy. How about Mark Castro? Um, I, I don't know what his ceiling is as a prospect, but he really does look like Elon Musk. Let me see if I can find a picture. <laughs> he has some very interesting features, man. I don't know what it is about his face. He just has, yeah, check this out. Can you guys see this? And that's not the greatest picture of him, but if you see him like in real life, like talking and stuff, his mannerisms, he really could be Elon Musk's kid. He looks like Elon Musk. Um, so it's just interesting. I'm not necessarily interested in seeing him fight. I don't know about the ceiling and all that. But the other guys I mentioned, Giasoft, Love, um, Velasquez, those are guys that are going to have futures. So I want to see them fight. All right, back to the phones we go. I think this is Jack. And I think Jack's going to have something to say about his prediction tomorrow night. Jack, is this you? What's up? Hey, what's up, Mike? It's actually Nacho. No, I'm just playing. It's Jack. <laughs> ah, shit. We got some Nacho love. I'm just, hey, what's uh, up, man? <clears throat> yeah. Nah. Okay, so, dude, I'm going to win. Um, you know what would be a good bet on everyone to bet on? A draw. I think people could make, if you if you put $10 down, you can win $180. And what are the chances you see a draw happening? I think that's definitely possible. I think that a draw could be in the book. Hmm. It's, you know, yeah, it wouldn't surprise me, I think. But again, I'm I'm going to be a dick. I, I, I think that Bevel has to win seven or eight rounds to get a draw, in my opinion. That's just, he's going to have to win the fight in most people's eyes to walk away with a draw. Yeah, no, but Mike, uh, wait, wait, uh, Trey, Trey, get out of here. So Jack has to end the call with, that's my call. Uh Nacho says he's timing right. your call no, because no, the last yeah. call was 10 minutes. <laughs> so he's timing your call. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, 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 speaking of Trey, though, uh, he's one of the guys that I was going to bet on Canelo Bibble with. But, um, guys, uh, I, I want to get a lot of respect when I come on here next time because I'm telling you, and I'm upset that Mike thinks Canelo's going to win too because he's not. Bibble is such a good fighter. He's not. Canelo's just so overhyped and overrated. He lost twice to Golovkin, clearly. I'm not going to get into that. He fucking got dominated in the first and second fight by Golovkin. And I'm sorry, but, dude, you're just going to see. I don't know how else to put it, but you are going to see Canelo. He's going to lose tomorrow. That's all I'm going to say. Okay. I get you. are on the record, about that, bro. About that, about you're on the record. Yeah, about that, uh, about that fight. But, dude, you want to know something crazy? And I know this isn't just because I like Triple G, but the Benavidez-Lemieux fight, do you think Lemieux's the best guy that Benavidez has fought? That's a good question. Um, I don't know if I don't know if Lemieux at this point is better than Gavril, um, because I just don't know what condition he's in. You know what I'm saying? Uh, D- David likes to live life between fights. Uh, well, well, both Davids do, <laughs> but um, yeah, Ronald Ellis, Anthony Durrell. Ronald Gavril, pretty good fighters. May I, I don't know if David Lemieux at this point is better than them, but in his prime, oh yeah, not even close. Not even close. Yeah, who do you think would win prime for prime, David Lemieux or Benavidez? Because I think Benavidez, he let he just let he lets guys hit him a little too much. And I think if David Lemieux hits him once, and I know David Lemieux is like totally out of his prime, and I don't see any way. The only way Lemieux can win this is. By a left hook, because he can knock anyone out with a with a left hook, and I I can see an upset. I'm not even joking. Just because Benavidez 
if he fights really hard hitters, I think he, he can possibly lose, especially with a monster hitter like Lemieux. Even though he's old, I could see chance. I'm not even lying. What do you think? Just uh, one punch, because he does he does leave open. Yeah, I mean, if Lemieux connects with the left hand, he could definitely get some work done. Uh, he's just never fought a guy as big and strong, naturally, as Benavidez. You got to remember, man, Benavidez at one point weighed like way over 200 pounds. He was this big fat kid that melted down to 68. So he's just got natural strength and size that Lemieux's never dealt with before. And David Lemieux has been stopped several times. So on paper, this looks like a David Benavidez stoppage. Prime for prime, though, that's an interesting discussion. Yeah, okay. I'm going to head out, let everyone else get a call in. I didn't see the first part of the show. So thanks for taking my call immediately because I was like, oh, shit, it's Friday wrap-up. I was about to text you, and I checked my YouTube subscription, uh, and I was like, oh, shit, it's on right now. And then because I realized it starts at 5, and I was like, shit, it's been an hour. I probably won't be able to make it. But thanks for having me. But uh, yeah, man. my guys, my name's Jack Alter. I'm calling a, a Bivol unanimous decision or knockout in the uh, 11th round. And uh, give me pr- give me credit next time I'm on the show, guys. I'm telling all of you. Hell yeah. <laughs> all right. You, you'll come on Monday. If, you, if, if it plays out the way you say, man, we're going to all – we will all hail to Jack Alter for his fight pick, okay? So I'm telling you. All right, Mike. Have a good night, brother. <laughs> ah, you too, bro. All right, there he goes. Yeah, and Jack's been screaming since this thing was signed that Beevil's going to win. So, and he's adamant he's going to win clearly. So we'll find out. All right, guys, that's it. I'm hungry. I'm going to go eat dinner. But uh, yeah, if for those of you just getting on, I'm fighting a week from today. I'm fighting next Friday here in Atlanta. I'll let you guys know how that goes. But of course, um, so that probably ain't new on Friday wrap up next Friday because I'm going to be getting my hands wrapped at this time a week from now. <clears throat> but we'll do TNC Monday. So I'll see you guys then. All right. Have a great weekend. Enjoy the fights tomorrow. And uh, that's it. Peace. <laughs>